To write fiction, one needs a whole series of inspirations about people in an actual environment, and then a whole lot of work on the basis of those inspirations. Aldous Huxley. Hello, and welcome back to the Turn Right Podcast. I'm Caitlin, your host. Today's episode is 97, the third plot point, tips and tricks, what is it? According to K.M. Wyland, uh, the creator of HelpingWritersBecomeAuthors.com, she has a wealth of great information on that site. Highly suggest taking a look at it. But according to her, she says it's all about creating a physical moment in the story. The third plot point is this place of defeat for the character, a time when all hope seems lost and the character must confront what the conflict is really about. I think it's the moment whenever the character has the light hitting him squarely in the face. Prior to this moment, he saw glimmers of it, but never the true light. The third plot point is foreshadowed by the second pinch point and occurs around the 75% marking in the story, if you outline like that. Um, It is a come-to-terms moment for the character, but it is not the end of the story. It has to be strong enough to leave the reader wanting more. It takes the reader to the edge of the cliff, but it's not the final leap. In my opinion, if the third plot point is not satisfying, the climax will not be satisfying, no matter how twisted the climax may be. So how do you write a satisfying third plot point? I've really been thinking about it a lot as I've been uh, drafting and editing my novel for what seems like the hundredth time, and I say the term drafting and editing because I think up until the midpoint of the story it was a true edit, but... Um, Kind of after the midpoint, I've been switching some things around, figuring out how to make sure all the characters' arcs are playing out better, and um, even slightly changing one of the characters' arcs. So um, I would have to say it has been sort of a draft in going back to the drawing board for the second half of the novel. So I really want to make sure I'm getting a satisfying third plot point for my story, because I'm really proud of the opening scenes of my story. I'm really proud of of a lot of it and I think my story is pretty strong but I need to finish strong if I want my novel to be all that it is capable of being. So I'm going to illustrate some examples from literature on what I think was an example of a satisfying third plot point and then I'm going to give one example on what I think was not so satisfying. So let's talk about The Great Gatsby. I mean this is a quintessential novel to discuss and dissect and reasonably so. I mean The Great Gatsby is a novel you can almost perfectly plot on a character arc. It has everything technically correct and it's just a great example to illustrate. So In The Great Gatsby, the third plot point is whenever Tom drives home in Gatsby's car and he hits and kills Myrtle, George Wilson's mistress. And because he's in Gatsby's car, the place is blamed on Gatsby. And of course, Tom is not going to confess that it was him driving Gatsby's car. And this third plot point is really loaded in different ways because we learn that Gatsby has engaged in criminal activities like bootlegging, and that's how he got his money. It was a big, illicit affair. We also learn that Daisy doesn't really love Gatsby. She just loves the idea of him and the idea of his wealth. And then we learn that Tom is so self-absorbed and preoccupied with getting Daisy back that nothing else matters to him, and he kills Myrtle just like that. And we also learn that Tom is a scumbag because he doesn't take accountability for his actions. So it's definitely a really, really low point in the story. And I think that's why it's so good because it fulfills that low expectation of a place of defeat for the characters. 
you know, prior to this, Nick Carraway, he had his suspicions that these people weren't any good, but now he knows for a fact that, you know, these people are awful people. They just are careless with their wealth. They go around and have these very self-serving attitudes and there is nothing left to prove. We have this concrete conclusion. But everything is not exactly wrapped up. We obviously want to know what happens with after this big showdown. You know, what's going to happen to Gatsby? Does he have any chance of reconciling back with Daisy? Um, is Nick Carraway going to find out anything else juicy about these characters? And will Tom actually get what he deserves? So these questions are all left open and they could be answered by the climax. They are. Um, but we're just going to talk about the third plot point. And I think this is really satisfying because it is a physical moment. It is this big physical showdown between these characters that has been building up through the first and second act. It's also not a wishy-washy thing. It's very definitive, and we see the characters for who they really are. They're bad. They're not good people. And Fitzgerald is making a statement here, and I really respect that. So that's why I think it's a very satisfying and well-done third plot point. The second novel I want to talk about is entirely different. It's a modern novel. I think it came out in, um, you know, 2008, 2010, something like that. Um, but it's one of my favorite stories and I reference it a lot on the podcast because I just like it so much. I feel like I know it well enough. And I also think it is a good story to illustrate with different types of things like this. And that is, to no one's surprise, Something Borrowed by Emily Giffen. And in this novel, I'm just going to tell you what the third plot point is. I don't need to give a whole rundown of the story. If you're interested in it, just Google it and, you know, read the description off Amazon. But essentially, Dex does not call off the wedding despite his affair with Rachel. They're sneaking around behind Dex's fiance, Darcy. Rachel flies to England to visit her friend Ethan, and then Ethan tells her or reveals to her so that she can see for herself that Darcy has been gaslighting her friendship all along. Darcy never really got into Notre Dame. She just wanted to make up that narrative to beat Rachel down and to say that she got something that Rachel didn't. Very toxic. And Darcy has also done another string of things like that in the past, and Rachel has kind of been blind to those things. And it's not until this moment in her life where she's forced to make this choice, either call off her true feelings and her true love with Dex or stand up for herself and get what she really wants. And it takes her flying to England and it takes these discussions with Ethan for her to see what the truth really is and what the truth is about Darcy. And it is confirmed at this point that Darcy is in fact a bad person and that's how the story is set up. And I think it's a very satisfying point in the story because we are so emotionally invested in the characters. At this point, it really seems like a low blow to Rachel that Darcy would um, do all of this toxic stuff to her throughout her whole life and then expect Rachel to just be the person that sits in the back seat and kind of supports her endeavors. Um, but yet it's still twisted and morally wrong because Rachel is sneaking around, you know, behind Darcy's back and having this affair. So it's really emotional from all these different sides. And it also kind of seems like a low blow to Rachel that Dex won't choose her, that he's presumably going to have this wedding. 
And we're also kind of frustrated that Rachel won't stand up for herself. Seemingly, she's just running away from her problems to England. So again, there's a lot going on here. There's a lot of different feelings between the characters and the emotional stakes are like through the roof. And that's how they should be at the third plot point if you want it to be satisfying for your readers. And then of course, you know, we want to see what happens. Are Dex and Darcy really going to marry each other? Is Rachel never going to get the satisfaction that she wants? You know, what is going to happen? And all of that is answered then in the climax. And Dex really does choose Rachel and calls off the wedding. And it's seemingly happy ever after for Rachel, which satisfies us both at the third plot point and the climax. Now let's talk about an unsatisfying third plot point. Don't come for me, but I am going to talk about the seventh Harry Potter book, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, and why I thought this was so unsatisfying. Now, I was a huge fan of the Harry Potter series growing up as a kid. I feel like it's hard to kind of analyze books you once loved as a kid, as an adult, because you see them in a different light. But I will just say I loved the books growing up like many other people from my generation, and they were really popular, loved all the books, loved all the movies. But I will say, even back in the day, whenever I read this story, what I was in like middle school, I think, um, I thought it was unsatisfying because essentially, if you're not familiar with the book, even though I'm sure many people are, um, Harry allows Voldemort to kill him. He like surrenders to Voldemort because, you know, Voldemort has to kill um, this part of Harry that is the Horcrux, the part that's that represents them being connected to one another. Um, so then Voldemort is like victory and he parades Harry's body all around. Everyone is extremely sad, low point. So it is satisfying this low point. But the reason why I don't like this is that I am a critic of false victory. I think a lot of times the false victory feels like a cheat to the reader and this was no exception. Although I did like the symbolism of death and rebirth, I, as the reader, felt cheated. Like, why is the author stringing us along to believe one thing, and then there's a twist that, in my opinion, was not well executed? The whole thing felt unbelievable and too philosophical in nature for the rest of the story. Um, I think it would have been much more satisfying if Harry had heroically killed Voldemort right in that third plot point, in that instant, instead of all of this train station dream imagery. I also feel like dreams are very much a treat, uh, very much a cheat, and I don't like whenever authors utilize them really in any capacity except for maybe a flashback where we're telling an important pivotal part of the character's upbringing. But I think as far as like a setup and a hook and a climax third plot point situation, I don't like them. I think it just feels wrong. I also think that because the series was so long and complex, if Harry had been, if Harry had killed Voldemort right at the third plot point, I think there still would have been a lot of unanswered questions that could have led up to the climax, or the story just could have been shorter in general, and there could have been a different third plot point. So that's just my opinion with Harry Potter. I'm just not typically a fan of that false victory. I want something more definitive like Scott Fitzgerald. Like I want to see the wrongs and the rights and exactly what the author wants me to feel about the characters. That's just my opinion. Anyway, let me know what you thought of this episode. Are you currently writing a third plot point or are you more in the beginning stages of your novel or are you editing your novel? Where are you at? Let me know. Follow us on Twitter 
and don't forget to subscribe. Thanks so much for listening. As always, keep writing, keep reading, and keep querying, and I will talk to you on our next road trip.